The content of this podcast is provided as general informational purposes only. It is not intended for, nor should it be used to replace professional behavior intervention and advice. This is Sissy. And this is Susan. And we are Function Junction Behavior Matters. And I think Stephanie's school has done an amazing job of showing that behavior matters. So good. She's so good. Oh my gosh. I just adore her. She said that she and her husband listened to it together and thanked us for supporting her and her school. So of course, um, Stephanie, we support you. We love you. And I know that the listeners are going to really enjoy part two of Stephanie's interview. Yep. Let's continue with that great conversation. Awesome. I wanted to ask you about other hurdles. You know, I know, I know teacher buy-in was one concern in the very beginning. Were there other hurdles? Sure. I mean, the teacher buy-in was the biggest concern, but I honestly, I was really determined. And there are still times, we are all human. There are still times that teachers just want to say, really? They just need to go to ISS for three days. And it's okay to say that. What I, I guess the biggest thing I want is for teachers to be able to say that out loud to me so that we can work through that feeling and, and make sure that they that they know I'm listening to them and what our common goal is to remind all of us what our common goal is, is to help the child learn to behave appropriately so they can get the general ed curriculum. I mean, that's, that's really our goal. Um, So that, I think that's a lot like if you're potty training your child and you just, you're like, I just really, I just really don't want to have to do this. No, you don't, but they're not going to get it until we do. So yeah, yeah, no, you don't want to deal with this behavior. You'd love for him to just go away for a few days, but the only way for him or her to get it is for us to teach it in where you wanting to use the behavior. Another thing that has come up is just recently is parents, you know, parents, because we still call parents. We still, in fact, my goal this year is to kind of try to include parents more often in a, in a proactive way for children that are struggling behaviorally. But um, you know, them, they, they also sometimes want to say, well, don't you just put them in ISS? Can't you just send them home or, You know, it's like, well, I mean, we could, but that's not helping the child learn how to behave appropriately in the classroom. They still have to go back to the classroom eventually. And you mentioned in the beginning, you know, you looked at the research and the data and all of that. And, you know, it's a conversation I have with administrators a lot is that you can send them home or you can do ISS or you can do all those, but the behavior doesn't decrease. right? (laughs) And so if it's not working, why do we keep doing the same thing? And I get you have to keep your campus safe. I get that. And Mm -hmm. I get you have to be in control of discipline. So rather than ISS or out of school suspension, maybe we do a reset. Right. And so, you know, I always talk about my student who brought a hammer to school and same thing. You know, the administrator was like, I got to keep my campus safe. And we were like, "Okay, but please let us do it in school so we can do a reset and teach the five point scale, the journaling skills, the um, why you don't bring weapons to school, all of those things. I love that word reset. You know, it is. It's just a reset. And um I wanted you to be sure and also talk at some point about the five-point scale. I was just thinking that because you mentioned it. One of the things we also did, well, I mean, you were talking about kind of blocks, or I forget how you worded it, some pushback or things that were um, difficult for us to kind of maneuver and move forward. Not only, you know, was it teachers, because that's obviously because we have to support teachers first because they're the ones on the front line. I, You know, they need to be okay first um, in order to help us do this. But the next thing is how how to teach 
the children, not just the behaviors, like how do you act in the hallway, but those more challenging things, like how do you really become a friend with somebody and how do you regulate your emotion? How do you know what it feels like if you're feeling angry or you're feeling mad or frustrated or jealous, whatever the words, they don't even know all the words yet. And so through this, through this two years, we've been kind of doing this. We have decided, started last year, school-wide social skills, school-wide. So that Mm -hmm. behavior team still, what they created it using lots of research. We didn't just go do by canned one because every child is different and every campus is different. And so we, we chose the five-point scale And they taught it to all second graders first, how to use it, what it means, really did it on their, that it was appropriate for their level of learning. Like if you come in, you'll ask students and they'll be like, are you, what color are you on? And they're all red because they stubbed their toe on the way in. They don't understand yet. So, so, you know, every week they go in that last year, it was just second grade this year at school-wide. They go in 30 minutes every single week. And it's the behavior team that does it. So the beauty of that is that they get to see that behavior team every week. So every child knows those people in the room and that's just more people to help. Um, It's been pretty great. So the five point scale is something that they taught. Now everybody's learned it. And we have, I know the people listening to the podcast can't see it, but we, I have a little, we all, we all gave like a business card size. Um, five point scale to every child. Um, so second grade last year, put it like taped it on the desk, but this year we decided to give everybody a lanyard and they have it so they can check in all the time. We're starting to expand it and use that for if you're fixing to give a test, how are you feeling about that test? You know, I'm feeling a little bit yellow. I didn't study or yes. I get test anxiety, whatever. Just teaching children how to understand what they're feeling yeah and what that feels like physiologically how to advocate for themselves right later you know to be able to say you know I'm feeling whatever I'm feeling I need to take a walk I mean I know adults that could use that kind of training and and I think yes Sissy I think that some of the adults on your campus Stephanie have their own five-point scales Mm -hmm. and I, I joke all the time like I don't really get to a five I'm not really an explosive person unless someone messes with my animals maybe but I was on a campus in a district far, far away, and someone did and, and said something that really, really made me mad. And so I had to call a friend, and I was driving to another campus, and I was like, I've got, I'm at a four, and I've got to really calm down. I can't go into a campus this angry. And so, you know, she listened, and she talked me down. And then, you know, I drove around the block a couple of times, so I was like, okay, I'm back to a one. And, you know, I think that's such an important strategy for all of us to have because nobody remains at a one all the time. And I talk to teachers a lot lately. I've been talking to teachers a lot about doing, doing class-wide, do a five-point or three. It could be a three-point scale for younger littles, you know, and teach the whole class. You're like, I'm feeling so great today. I'm at a one. I'm ready to learn. Two, maybe I'm feeling a little queasy and uncomfortable. Maybe I'm hot. And then this is where I practice smelling the can- the birthday, smelling the flowers and blowing out the birthday candles, you know, so that kids don't get to a five in a gen ed classroom. Because that's the last thing we want for kids yes. to get to a five 
in that setting because it alienates them. It alienates the other kids. It scares people, you know? So I just, love, I just love that your whole campus has a five point scale. I just can't think of anything. We have them in the cafeteria, really big posters in the cafeteria. And to be honest, we haven't really started utilizing those yet because I'm trying to figure out kind of the best. I mean, you can't have 180 kids go up and, you know, high five one of the colors. So we have to figure out just how to use it, but, um, but it's everywhere. It's, we're really, putting it everywhere. And it's, I think it's making a difference. You know, I, I hear teachers too. I don't have real hard data on this, but you know, prior to, they would say, you know, the child just went, you know, they used to say like zero to 10 or, you know, Oh, you know, there were no warning signs. And I, I think that doesn't really happen very often. I think we don't know the warning signs and I think the kids don't know them. So I believe that as children become more aware and then Sissy, like you said, then they are able to advocate for themselves. Once they are more aware, can say, I need a break. I know when I need to go get a drink of water. I mean, I mean, whatever it is, not every child needs a real break, but you know, every, sometimes people need something. Go next door and tell the, give the teacher a note. You know, and I love it when we can see kids who are kind of, you know, displaying some physical characteristics, you know, their teeth are clenched or they're tapping more or their eyes are dilating or they, I've got kids who, when they take off their glasses, we know, and that's the best to catch it and go, you know what, go get a drink of water or go give this teacher a note or whatever, just to kind of redirect um, and get back on track. Absolutely. And I think that what I like about teaching the, a lot of things about teaching the children about the five point scale is that teachers are you know asked to do so much yeah. and it's not a fair expectation for them to notice all of those things that really are happening with the children. Yeah. It's just not fair. So if we can teach children how to be aware, then they can bring that attention to the teacher because teachers want kids to be successful. It's not, yes. I mean, that for sure is like is the case so just how to help that happen it just if y'all listening it's it's an amazing campus and if you work for a school district you could probably call stephanie cox or email her <laughs> at liberty elementary and she'll let you come visit because she's very gracious and wonderful and, and very a very nice hostess i'm just so thrilled that i met you and that i i get to see you know the fruits of your labor and um it's real and you know of course no you don't have data but you do have data on discipline right absolutely and we have data on um like the the alerts the alert system we have that i was talking about earlier we can pull data anytime yeah. and we share that data every month with the staff so that they know you know how many yellows or how many reds and you know, um, because our goal is for it there to be more yellow and less red. And then eventually, you know, all of that go down. But yes. um, but we can't improve if we don't continue to look at it. And I will say as personally, I struggle with celebrating. I, um, I'm always like seeing what else, what else. Mm-hmm. And I work on it. Um, but that is something I definitely struggle with. Um, but kind of that being said, I think does help our team push to what else you know um one of the things we did last year was my teacher at the time came and said hey we want to just see if somebody you know willing to have some mentors you know to mentor some children and I said okay well how are we gonna how do you want to do that and like if we could just get five and I'll just go I'll just go ask people if they're just willing to do it and I said well I said why don't you open up to everybody the worst that happens is you don't get five and then we go back right I'm not above begging but (laughs) maybe there's more interest than you think And we ended up with 35 staff members in COVID year last year willing to mentor 
students. Like we had to go find more students and there's not a lack of students that need mentoring or that can benefit. So we were able to do that, but our behavior team, again, because they're so committed to kind of these research-based things, they would go cover recess while, you know, for the teacher, while the teacher had one-on-one time with the mentor or cover um, during that was most of the time that it was done. Sometimes they would have lunch with them. Anyway, the, the behavior team would go in and cover so the teacher could have that one-on-one time once a week. The one-on-one time was with the students? Yes, ma'am. Yes, the, the 35 students that were mentees because we had the 35 staff members and we had secretaries and we had teachers and assistant principals and, you know, and all different people. It was pretty great. 35 out of how many total staff members? About 75 because our custodians and our cafeteria, we didn't open it up to them, but we should have. And I would definitely do that this year. Open it up to them. Uh, But about 75 in COVID year. I was just thinking, wow. And we were hoping for five. Almost half. And I think it's a great idea to open it up to the cafeteria workers and the custodians. Absolutely. They would love that. And the kids would love it too. Absolutely. Um, And we were just shocked, honestly. So it's amazing. You said something earlier about that. If the children come in in the morning feeling some kind of way that there is a place for them to go. So it's sort of like a soft start for them, a a way for them to. I love that idea. Yes. And some and, and it can be for any child. It's open to any child. But we know children who definitely need it and they go every day. And then we know some that just we see them come in and every staff member knows that this is open to every child. So sometimes, you know, a staff member who's just on hold duty might walk this crying child to that room. So they just have a moment. Um, it just depends on the child, you know, and the end of the day, too, for some children, they do that. I was thinking about as an adult, you know, if if I ever had a day, I mean, I've been in education all my life, but if I showed up at work, there was always someone, if I was really upset, to be able to say, you got something going on and how about you just take a minute and I'll get the day started and then you you come on. You know, why would we not do that for children and what a difference it makes in the way the rest of their day is like if they have a place to like, okay, it's okay, I'm at school now, I am safe here, this is a good place to be. Now I can go learn. I mean, totally. Now, as you the ten or fifteen minutes that, and and sometimes it's before school starts. Sometimes they do that, and then they're able to still get to school and or get to class on time. Sometimes it's ten to fifteen minutes later. But if they're better able to learn, you've really not given up anything. It's worth work. Yeah, it's really worth it. You know, and I love that you and the team are always thinking about next steps. You know, like Mm -hmm. you said, the custodians and the cafeteria people, and then also you know, doing some more proactive kind of parent training, things like that. And those are great next steps. You know, you got the program, it's running well. And now like, again, what's next? How can we improve? What's next? And you are like that. The first time I met you, (laughs) Stephanie wanted all of the kids who who were on the spectrum included. And, you know, we had a really kind of heart to heart conversation about we all want that, right? But some of them aren't just aren't ready. Um, but I think they're almost all in, right? They're all going in some of sometime, <laughs> all of them. Because but, but I really think that if we don't, you know, really have those high expectations, then it's 
you know, it's easy not to do the research and go, okay, let's try it this way. Or, you yeah. know, really if our, if our, if our goal is singular and having children in the general education classroom in a way that they can not disturb, you know, behaving appropriately, if that is our goal, then we just have to figure out how to get there yeah. and how long it takes. And I have to be patient. And I know that I do. Yeah. And you are proof that it is achievable. And I've told you this a million times, and I'm going to say it again. You really have to present this to a national superintendent's conference. You really do. It's just remarkable what you've been doing. You know, I appreciate you saying that. It's just so hard, you know, when you're in, this is just what we do because it's the right thing to do, you know? So it's so hard to like hear that and think, because I just think, why aren't we doing this everywhere? <laughs> why, why wouldn't they just already be doing it? I mean, if you presented to principals about the difference in your office referrals, people yeah. are going to say, well, well tell me again, how, how'd you do that? Yeah. Because right. everyone wants to reduce office referrals. Everyone wants children to stay in the classroom more and be you know, more productive yeah. that way. So um, that data will get attention for sure. So. I agree. I agree. And you could bring your team with you, you know, to come go with you and talk about what that looks like and how you made it happen. I mean, people have staff related to in-school suspension and um, the AEP. And if you can pull that, it's, it's a no money difference thing to create an atmosphere where all kids are here and learning, you know, I mean, Maybe with someone by their side, helping them see what they need to do for, you know, an hour or so, or maybe a day or so. But um, the goal is always get them back on track and back out and let it keep going. And Susie, I love your idea. Maybe the more immediate audience would be principals, you know, instead of superintendents. And then once you get some principals on board, then you all present it as a team to superintendents. I just think it's got to happen. It's time. You know, it is just time. (laughs) time I hear you (laughs) well you know to me it sounds a whole lot too like when we think about campuses have reading specialists and math specialists or math coaches and reading coaches well yeah you have a behavior coach team that is the same idea who's having trouble you know tier one kids or everybody we're doing it all for everybody tier two is maybe Mm -hmm. some kids and then you have those tier three kids whether they're special ed or not we're stepping in and giving them what they need. It's beautiful. You know, and we really do um, operate very similarly to like the academic side that people have been doing for years, kind of like you're talking about. And we meet, um, they have their own professional learning community that they meet weekly, talk about children that they need to talk about. And, and then once a month, they meet after school with grade level participation from teachers because we can't forget the fourth grade general a teacher needs to be there, part of the conversation, because, you know, a behavior team could easily, since they're not in the classroom all day, every day, go in a direction that isn't really feasible for a general education classroom and not on purpose, just not, right. just not having, not there, they're not in there. And yeah. so we, once a month, meet after school and look at data and look at specific children and have somebody from each grade level there to be a part of that. So it's, it's a continual conversation. It is... It is a constant conversation. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. I, I I think that we talked about everything that we talked about last time in addition to the funding source. So right. 
Um, I can't thank you enough for being here. I know our listeners are going to be like, I want to hear more. I want to hear more. Well, I mean, I hope it rings true to people. It's definitely something that is is close to my heart. I feel like every child's important. Every child needs something different. And it's hard to do this, but it's so worthwhile. You know, I need them. I need kids to graduate and become productive citizens. And it starts right here. Absolutely. And, you know, we've talked about this before, but uh, your school community is reflective of your community at large. And if you do it like this, then, you know, the kids who are struggling behaviorally are going to be supported as adults, right? They might be employees of some of the other kids or employers of other kids, you know? Um, So it really sets a whole culture that is much needed in this day and time. So we appreciate everything you're doing and talking with us twice now. (laughs) (laughs) This one is going to be fine. It's going to get, it's going to work, but um, this is definitely important. But I was thinking about your students down the road someday as adults and going to a job and being able to say to their boss, I spilt my coffee all over myself before I ever left for work. There was a flat tire uh, when I got out to my car and then I hit every single red light on the way here. If I could just take a minute and just walk one time around the building, um, that would be helpful. You know, a boss would say, sure, take that lap versus what's wrong with you? Get your job done. You know, so it's going to have long-term impact. You know, it's exciting to me to think about, what learning those things about themselves can do for them down the road. That is the hope. I appreciate and I appreciate y'all to you and I've enjoyed talking to you. Oh my gosh, we just love you. So we do have a question that goes along with the five point scale. Um, yes. They use that with all of their students at her school, which I think is an amazing thing. I mean, you and I talk about where we are on the five point scale frequently. I know. Um, yeah. So here's the question. The five-point scale in behavior regulation teaches students how to listen to their own body and respond to frustration and anxiety in more adaptive ways. Which of the following is an example of a communication strategy that could help a student who is at a level three de-escalate their behavior as they try to return safely to a level one or level two on the five-point scale? A, screaming, I want to go home. (laughs) B, when the student asks the teacher to use the restroom. Mm-hmm. C, when the student takes a break card and hands it to the teacher. D, when the student kicks the desk and tears apart his spelling assignment. Good question. So, you know, I think it's important to note a couple of words or a couple of phrases in the question. So the student is at a level three and we're looking for a strategy that can help him de-escalate. So, Screaming, I want to go home is definitely not, I mean, it is a communication strategy, but I don't think it's going to get the kiddo to a level two or one. (laughs) Asking the teacher to use the restroom, I mean, that would be a good strategy if he worked at a level three. I don't think a kid at the level three is going to say, "Um, excuse me, Miss Carter, may I use the restroom, right? Right, right. And when the student takes a break card and hands it to the teacher, that's always a good option. And that's always like pretty much 90% of the time what we try to teach kids when they're at a level three. Um, When the student kicks the desk and tears apart his spelling assignment, yeah, he might do that, but that's not a communication strategy to get him, help him de-escalate. So I would have to go with 
C, the student takes a break card and hands it to the teacher. What do you think? I, that's, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, and I would say, you know, I, I'm sure that we did talk about this, but it doesn't hurt to hit it again. Mm-hmm. When you think about that five-point scale, a one means everything is great, life is going fine. A two means I'm doing okay. It's not perfect, but I'm, I can keep working. And a three is when they're beginning to lose some of the control and beginning to feel anxious. Kids talk through what it looks like and what will help them. I also, when I do a five-point scale with kids, kids help you put the information on there, right? Sure, wait, do you? And um, I will also add, try to make sure that not working is is on the level three because it really means something's not right. If you're not able to do your work, yeah. That's not right. And we need to get a strategy in here to help you regroup. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then four is when you're likely to need adult assistance and you're, you're definitely losing control. And a five means I'm out of control and, and someone needs to step in and help me. The goal really is to not have kids get to a four or a five in the general ed classroom. And, you know, it's a really great t- tool and strategy to teach all kids. I remember, I know I sent you the photos. I was working with a little kindergartner a couple of weeks ago, and he was just as precious as can be. And he was as busy as a bee. I mean, his, he had autism, but his attention issues were much bigger um, than the autism, and so, or as big at least. And so I said to him, how do you feel when you're doing all this shaking and running and twirling and everything? And he goes, I'm excited. And I said, oh, good. Okay, well, look, when I am at a one, I am happy, I'm working, I'm ready to listen to my teacher. And when I'm at a two, I feel kind of uncomfortable and kind of maybe sick to my stomach. How do you feel when you're at a one? And he said, I'm a proud peacock. And I said, oh, you are? And he drew a peacock. And so I said, well, how do you feel when you're at two? And he goes, I'm an excited tiger. And he drew a picture of of the tiger. And then I just went three points because he was kindergartner. And I said, how do you feel when you're at a three? And he goes, I'm a mad chicken. And he (laughs) drew a picture of a chicken. And he was so cute. And so when he'd get to that excited, you know, busy kind of level, I'd just look at him and I'd say, I'd point, like, hold up one finger and just move my hand down, like, simmer down. And he would do it. And then he'd look at me and give me a thumbs up. He was just so excited about his little three-point scale. And we taped it to his desk. And his teacher was using it. It was really sweet. And then I did another one not too long after that with a kid on that same, no, in that same school district. And we did it with level one, level two, level three. And he said, what happens in a zero? And I, I drew a zero and I said, you are really doing great. You are awesome. And he loved it. We just went zero, one, two, three. And he really liked it. And I took a picture <laughs> and sent it to the teacher because I'm hoping that's something that will benefit him. So I think that the five point scale really gives language and visual to something that kids are feeling inside of them. And I think that it helps really any of us understand this is this is normal. Sure. This is what everyone goes through. And now I don't have to feel like there's something different or wrong with me yeah. if my emotions are getting the best of me. Yeah. And I encourage teachers to do it with the whole class, yep. you know, including yourself as the teacher. In fact, that little boy that I, he asked about a zero, 
I, he was upset in PE and I ran over to him and I said, I need you to listen. I need you to do note level two. You're going to smell the flowers and blow out the birthday candles, smell the flowers, blow out the birthday candles. And he did. And then he was doing the next activity and I walked by him and he goes, I feel better already. And I was like, I'm so proud of you. That's fantastic. So, so Stephanie Cox, thank you so very much for participating in this uh, podcast two times since we lost the first recording, but we're thrilled to get this second part up for our listeners. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving and hope you have a great rest of the weekend. As always, please like, subscribe, share, or comment on social media and or rate and review us on the podcast app that you're using. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye. Have a good weekend. Take care.